Hey guys, I'm going to start answering all your marketing questions and concerns on here. I'm going to give you quick bite-sized actionable marketing strategies and tactics that will help you attract new patients immediately and grow your practice. Every Monday, a short episode will come out and each month we will be covering a topic. Topics like ground marketing, Google AdWords, internal marketing, reputation management, and more. And I will have experts, agencies, and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement. What you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today. No strings attached. And then you will see the results. So without further delay, let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode. Hey, Jasmine. So talk to us about medical and dental billing. How can we utilize this or what advice or suggestions can you give us that will help us with doing medical and dental billing? Right. So, Michael, my experience as a billing company owner uh, involves mostly helping practice owners get to the bottom of their slow insurance and patient collections and not only implement systems um, to help achieve faster cash flow, but actually keep those systems running smoothly for them. So we put the work in and do all of the work. (laughs) So um, we help all kinds of specialties, practice management softwares, practice types whether they're fee-for-service, PPO, Medicaid. So we've seen it all, done it all. But the common denominator I noticed between all of these practices, it's staffing issues. It seems like everybody's having an issue with that right now. So mm-hmm. you can't keep your biller who, or your office manager who's going to make sure your claims go out, who's collecting from the patients up front, who's sending statements and making follow-up calls to the patients about their bills. Um, one, two, three years go by and you realize you've only gotten paid six or seven cents of the dollar that you've actually worked for. So the other side of the staffing issues is um, hiring someone who has good intentions and they believe they know the ins and outs of dental billing, but they really don't. And they can create some costly mistakes for the practice. So if, as a practice owner, you're not auditing the work, things can pile up really quickly. So we've seen that happen as well. But I'm here because I want to share five tips that every practice owner should implement that I wish everybody knew about. So the first one is get credentialed. I heard on one of your other podcasts of someone um, really going into this point, going into depth. That was great. Don't go off and hire an associate. Allow them to treat patients in your office and then bill under your name as the treating dentist. That's not a clean claim. That's an easy way to find an audit with the insurance company because um, if you're attaching your narrative for, you know, a procedure, whose name is at the bottom, whose name is signed at the bottom of that narrative. So, um, and if you accidentally send a batch of claims with, you know, your associate on them and you get it back and it's out of network or, you know, um, there's a denial, then you want to send a batch of corrected claims with your name on it, that may cause suspicion as well. The ADA has a pre-credentialing service, CAQ page. So that's a great um, tool to use to get credentialed applications. Second one is sign up for as many EFTs as possible. We've seen a claim go out same day as the date of service, and then you get paid the very next day. We've seen these bank accounts (laughs) get funded the very next day after you see the patient. So That's very, very quick. Um, A lot of the insurance companies are getting crafty with insurance credit card payments or VCC virtual credit card. Um, That's when they send you like, hey, here's a credit card. You can process your credit card machine for payment for this, you know, procedure. 
Um, but you actually get charged a lot of fees with your merchant service if you do a manual, you know, credit card transaction. So there's no charge to receive EFTs from an insurance carrier. Um, and then, you know, when disaster strikes in an area, which we've seen, there's been hurricanes lately, um, the mail stops. That's tens of thousands of dollars that's waiting to get to you. So, you know, imagine if you just had that direct deposited and you can access it immediately and do what you need to do. Also the paperwork of getting paper claims and checks all the time. It's just a bummer. So uh, my third tip is to verify. Uh, when a patient comes in and hands you an insurance card, you really need to verify the eligibility and benefits. You can't just take their word for it that they have coverage and everything's covered. Don't bill blindly. Don't update the benefits in the system by blindly. Uh, yeah, it's the patient's job to know their benefits, but I assure you less than 10%, maybe even 5% of people actually know their benefit. They're still going to be upset when they have to pay that $25 deductible that you didn't tell them about. So just find out beforehand what their insurance is all about, who you're billing, even before they're seen. And if you can't do that, if you just have no time, outsource it. There's many companies that do this. Um, my fourth tip is documentation. I also heard another one from your podcast where someone really um, honed in on this point. Not only do x-rays need to justify a procedure being completed, but the clinical narrative needs to paint the picture as well. So for example, we usually see the most denials with crowns and buildups. Then we see the narrative template and we're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> because yeah. the insurance carriers want to see whether it's an initial or replacement with the prior placement date. Was it a fracture? They need the location of the fracture. I've seen sometimes they were asking for the length and depth of the fracture. Was it a failed amalgam restoration, recurrent decay? How much of the tooth had decayed before removal? How much of the tooth was remaining before the buildup? Just so much needs to be in the narrative for processing, and that will make sure that you get your payment quicker. And if you have a denial, it would be far and few in between. And then my fifth point is with patient billing. Um, we offer a service for patient billing with our company, so we've seen it all in this area as well. Um, at the very least, you should review your new accounts on your AR on a weekly basis. So these are... Um, Accounts ideally that, you know, insurance has paid um, and you need to review the ending balance. Every uh, practice management software really has an easy way for you to check this. And then you can send your statements out immediately after you, re you review the account. What we do is make notes on the account, just showing us where the balance is coming from. And when the patient does call, we can just locate our note and explain where the balance is coming from really easily and quickly. Um, and then when you make a rule, stick with it. Like if you deem contacting the patients three times is enough, maybe statement, call statement, write the balance off or send them to collections. Don't let the balance linger. That's how your AR will increase over time. So just take action, you know, make some rules, set a system up with your staff and um, your AR would, you know, look pretty clean. If your patients overpay you, this is the other hand of it, pay them back. Um, keep your AR as close to zero as possible. So not too many credits, not too many debits. Let's just, you know, keep it close to zero, which is what we try to do with our company as well. Nice, Jasmine. I appreciate that. Out of these five, I, I kind of want to rewind a little bit. When you mentioned um, the number two, sign up for as many EFTs, you said? 
Yeah, it's possible. Okay. Can that ever backfire or no? Um, I've not seen it backfire only when there is a recoupment that needs to happen. You know, patient plan actually terminated, but the insurance paid the office. They'll just take it out of the next payment. So you really have no control over that. Usually if you get paper checks, they'll ask for the money back in another check. So you really have no control of that. But, you know, they'll take it out of something anyway. Gotcha. Okay. Do you guys do medical billing too as well? Um, we send medical claims for some of our oral surgery offices when needed, but we don't really dive into the medical billing part of it with the coding and ICD-10. Gotcha, gotcha. So then where do you see out of these five tips, like people mainly have the most hiccups? Most hiccups is probably the verification. Um, there are so many claims that go denied or rejected because the verification wasn't done in the beginning. Probably second one would be the credentialing, <laughs> um, hiring an associate and not putting them on the claim. It's just kind of, I see that a lot. I know it's a headache trying to credential all of your new employees, especially if um, you're going out of network anyway, but it's just good to put them on the claim form and the documentation would probably be number three. Why documentation? Like what, is that enough detail or... Not enough detail. Um, some doctors have their assistants write in the details of the narratives and maybe they're not just they're not trained enough or not enough was communicated with them. Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend, you know, at the end of the day, just review all of your notes, make sure it's completely filled out to the brim. <laughs> yeah. Too much information is good, um, especially when trying to get these claims paid the first time. You don't want it have it denied and come back and wait another 30 days for that to process. So, yeah, because I feel like that can be a headache, especially when you get a lot of denied claims. I mean, you're on the phone, you're at the front office, you're getting another denied claim, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with that. People are coming in and calling and all these things, right? So it can be tough. I like what you mentioned when you said, make a rule, stick with it. To you, from the many practices that work with you guys, what have you seen to be like a really fantastic rule when it comes to this? So we... Uh, contact patients six times, right? So that's our role as our billing company. If we contact the patients, we were probably sending three statements, making three follow-up phone calls. That's our role. We stick with it. The offices tend to agree that, yeah, that's a good amount of times to contact a patient about their bill. If they're not paying by then, then, you know, how many other times do it? So that's the role, and that's good. It When we're done with it, we exhaust all attempts, Patient either gets sent to collections or if the balance is too low, it's written off. Lots of notes are written on the um, on the account. Pop-up notes are created. So before the office or the patient even comes in, they have to pay the bill. So it's smooth. It, it works. Um, I think that's a, that's a good rule. Sometimes they're like, did we contact them enough? I mean, we sent one statement. We, we called them. They said they'd pay it, but they never did. Call four more times. <laughs> That's the rule. And then if they don't, then send it to collection. So, yeah, the amount of times of contacting a patient, I think it's a good rule to set. Do you ever recommend like texting or emailing them or no? Yes. Um, now in this day and age, take advantage of as many resources as you can. A lot of dentists have dental intel. They have a payments feature. Practice by Numbers also has a great payments feature. Um, I know we use... Our offices, if they have weave, we'll use that on behalf of their office to text, you know, um, the patients and send them their bills. So take advantage of of that. Mailing statements is going to be a thing of the past now. Yeah. 
So then would you recommend, is that part of the six? So like, would it be like call? Then number two would be like text and th- like that or? Yeah, yeah. Usually you can send an email and a text at the same time. That'll count as one contact. And then we'll follow up with a phone call and then send another email text. Um, we call because we want to make sure they're actually receiving their invoices. And if that method isn't working, we change it up. You know, especially if the patient's older, they probably need a mailed statement. So we'll we'll change it up for them and send them a mailed statement. Okay, awesome. Any final piece of advice you want to give to our listeners about medical and dental billing? Stick with the pros. If you can't um, do it or you feel overwhelmed with it with your office, you don't have to worry. You know, you can outsource it. It's often cheaper than hiring a billing coordinator for your practice. Um, quicker than, you know, training someone to um, do everything correctly. Hire, outsource it if you can't. Like I did, like I said, with the verifications, we don't do verifications, but a lot of our offices outsource that and they see much more collections and a lower AR because of it. So yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. Awesome, Jasmine. I appreciate your time. And if anyone has further questions, you can definitely find her in the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group or where can they reach out to you directly? Um, Our website is www.versasolutionsinc.com. Uh, also on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, <laughs> everything there. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out. We're everywhere. All right. That's going to be in the show notes below. And Jasmine, thank you for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode. Thank you. Thank you.